On this week's episode of Back of the Grid, we are going to review the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort. We're going to try and unpack whatever that was. We've got driver of the day, move of the day, WTF moment of the race, and of course we'll go through our predictions and make predictions and preview Monza. Let's go! Hello and welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid, but I was just caught out by the shorter theme tune that we've adopted. Um, I'm Stu, I'm your host this week, and I'm joined as always by Chris. I was caught out by not having the button to play the music ready and was frantically clicking to get it working. Yeah, and then disrupted my cold open as well, which was great of you. Thanks, mate. Um, Professional as ever. No Tom again this week because Tom is off on his jollies, but he will, I believe, be back with us next week. I'm going to make that promise right now. Um, when we review the Italian Grand Prix. But before we get to any of that, it's time to review the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort, which was just, um, well, <laughs> where do we... Best race begin? of the season? The most eventful race of the season, yeah. I, I wouldn't That's say, indisputable. Like, I, I don't necessarily think like crazy weather equals great race. It, make, it equals frenetic race and... and crazy race and 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 what but does that necessarily constitute a great race i don't know but a lot's lots happened there's a lot to there's loads and loads and loads and loads to unpack um so in that regard it was a great race shall we start with we'll start where we always start which seems to be max verstappen and just as is tradition now. how imperious he is to to anything the weather or the field throws at him yeah um he did get his ninth consecutive win, equal in Vettel's record. And F1 seemed to have decided also Ascari's record now, which is fair, I think, because technically Ascari only won seven in a row, but that's only because it was back when the Indy 500 was part of F1 and no F1 drivers actually entered the Indy 500. So Ascari did win nine races that he entered in a row. So... It was a weird technicality, but if you noticed on the graphics at the end of the race, they did actually say it was equal in Vettel and Ascari's record, which I yeah. think is fair. You say decided, I say realised their own <laughs> Well, given some of the stats that have been knocked around this weekend, which we'll get to, that that's probably right. Um, yeah. I mean, It just shows you how little there is to talk about and how like boring it's getting when they're just throwing random statistics <laughs> at like, every possible thing. Oh, it's the it's the third world champion to tie his shoelaces in a row <laughs> before a before a race like get real like some of these stats are just boring but anyway go on carry on um i mean obviously you know we kind of expect max to go on and break that record and win who knows how many by the end of the season there's enough time for him to double that record i think if he was going to lose a race this was probably the one right like Everything got thrown at the drivers this race. There were so many opportunities for him to find a way to lose that race, and he just didn't. Like, no, he, didn't. he was flawless. He was ab- yeah. absolutely flawless. He, he and the car were flawless. <laughs> I think I will say, and, and the same applies to when Lewis Hamilton was winning his, winning his world championships, it's a lot easier to be flawless in the perfect Formula One car than it is. it is to be flawless in some of the less perfect Formula One cars down the field, but still 
you do have to be absolutely on top of your game 100% of the time in circumstances like this. And he absolutely was. So there's no denying yeah. what a great performance it was. There's a lot of drivers on that grid that wouldn't have won that race in the best car. I well, think. yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's another driver in the same team that didn't win the race in the same <laughs> yeah. car by a long way. So, yeah, fair, and, and, and that's, that's what you measure against, isn't it? That's how great he is. He's just thrashing his teammates. So there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously he lost the lead by not pitting at the end of the first lap. But, I mean, there was one point when he was making it back through, he was nearly a second faster than everyone else on track. Like, he made up 10 seconds on Perez in five laps. And four seconds of that were on one lap. Lap seven, he made four seconds up on Perez on the same tyres. That's just, just it's just mental it's just it's unbelievable <laughs> isn't it in the same car in the same car like that is the gulf between those two drivers again like there's an argument to say like the team is really revolves around max verstappen and perez is just pretty much a passenger in verstappen's car or a car that was designed for verstappen and i do i'm finding that like in these sort of like really really wet circumstances or low grip situations where things aren't necessarily optimised. Max seems much, much more comfortable in the car than Perez to me. Like, it seems like Perez is much more likely to make mistakes. And for me, that's symptomatic of a car that is designed for one driver and not the other. Yeah. But still, um, he yeah. he still did an amazing job. I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to take away from the performance of Verstappen. I'm, I'm just saying that it's pretty obvious that that car is designed for Max Verstappen. It is his car. Sergio Perez. Yeah. It's his car, yeah, and it's his team. Um, there was a, a bit of controversy around the second pit stops where um, Red Bull bought in Max before Checo, despite the fact that Checo was winning and Max was second. Um, we'll dip into the inbox at this point, I think. Uh, Sam Van Houten says a lot of people are now losing their Do minds. That. Quick edit on the fly um, on the undercut that Max is on Checo. Uh, but as I saw almost two to three seconds being eaten out of his lead per lap on the same tyres, in my opinion, it was the right move to make, but it seems a slight unpopular opinion. How do you guys view that? Hmm. Interesting. At the, at the time I was in the, oh, this is typical Red Bull, even when Max is second, he's getting the favoured strategy camp. Um. Their their excuse was that Alonso and I think Gasly were catching and the, by pitting, if they'd have pit Checo first, they might have ended up first and fourth rather than first and second. And I don't buy that excuse for a minute. Like, I absolutely don't buy that. So, but... I mean, do, do, okay, Sam's right. It doesn't make. It, ultimately, it was never going to make that much difference because Max Verstappen was just so much quicker anyway. So, no matter who they pitted first, Max was always going to get ahead of Perez. I think it's a shame that we didn't get to see them, you know, go toe to toe on track and and watch watch Max try to have a go at Perez and get around him the the old fashioned way. <laughs> um, but I think as well, it was kind of like yeah, when 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 it did happen when. Let's not forget Perez dove into the pits from behind Verstappen at the very beginning of the race as well. Yeah. When the when the wet weather came. So yeah, he made that call himself. He made that call himself and he sort of threw, threw, the, threw the team under the bus a little bit almost because they weren't quite ready for him. And so he he's 
kind of set out his stall a little bit there and it's I think it's fair game for the team to turn around and say well you did that Max is the lead driver he was the lead on the lead lap we're gonna we're gonna reverse that process and put it right because yeah. obviously Max is going to be upset if he finds out that Perez has been seen to before he's been seen to at the very beginning of the race um and also, it, it, like, obviously, there, there is always that Kel surprise. They've they, they've thrown Checo under the bus, and I think there is an element of that still. But like, yeah, I don't think it's. But he was never winning that race, was he? Yeah, like, it's inconsequential. The 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 speed that Max was catching him, Max was always going to win that. If as a team you can engineer it so they don't actually end up having to be side by side on track, like, and we've already seen in Austria they came pretty close to making contact when they did go wheel to wheel so you can totally see from the team's point of view why that makes most sense and you know the whole narrative of this race was can max tie the wins in a row record it's his home race there was yeah. just never a set of circumstances where max verstappen didn't win that race so as much at the time i was a little bit oh here we go again outraged sort of a day you were outraged Outraged, though. I wasn't outraged. But. I can't imagine you being <laughs> Especially at that. I can't imagine you being that outraged. <laughs> but yeah, in hindsight, you can totally see why the team did it. it yeah. It, it makes sense. Yeah. They're just no, and Checo as well, knew, like, I think. Yeah, of course. There's, and also, for this, from the team's perspective, there's no point in putting them in a situation where they're going to have to go wheel-to-wheel racing in... It's just not worth the risk. ...difficult circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So... As a team, they managed the situation as best they could, and it it worked well for the team, and they got the they got the result that they wanted in the end. Yeah, exactly. Um, quick little Max stat before we move on: he's now led more laps this season than he did all of last season, and he's well on route to take the record for overall laps led in a season which you can say oh that's easy now because there's a lot more races but he's probably going to break that record with like five or six races to spare i think he only needs something like less than 200 laps i think he needs so Mm. he can break that record within the next like three or four races so someone's gonna have to go pretty wrong for him to not break that record this season uh we've still already talked about perez didn't have a great quality he was seventh on the grid over a second slower than verstappen in q3 um We've already discussed the tyre business. He ended up losing second to Alonso when he went off at turn one um, in the second rainstorm. Then he managed to hit the pit entry, um, hit the wall at the pit entry when he came in for wets. And in the somehow in the process of hitting the wall, he managed to go too fast into the pit lane. You'd think that'd slow you down more, but I guess he probably well, just he, because you've got the brakes tried to avoid the wall, I imagine. He's, well, he's no, it's not even that. It's It's probably loss of grip that's got him there so he's not been able to get yeah, the car actually. slowed down has he like if he, the reason he's in the wall is because he can't get the car he's, he's run out of grip and he's he's at that point when you've got no grip and you're aquaplaning you can touch the brakes you can lock do the wheels you want. nothing's <laughs> going to happen you're you're just sliding along yeah so you're not going to slow you're not slowing yeah. the car down so that's how that's occurred it's unfortunate for him because it was only I do find like a lot a lot of the time when they get these speeding in the pit lane penalties, it is literally like fractions of a kilometre of an hour. It was 0.8 of a kilometre of an hour he went over by. And it's also kind of, you know, it's probably for like two metres over yeah. over that line. So I do find these penalties like super, super, super harsh on them because especially in those kind of circumstances, I feel like there should be like a little bit of breathing space. Over Maybe the a first... bit of a sliding scale as well, like... 
okay, if you accidentally go over by a smidge, you get like a second or two's penalty. If you go steaming in at like 10 or 15 Ks over, yeah, give yeah. them a five second maybe. At the same time, I do understand why they're so strict on it because they don't want people, they, they, they just, you can't have people speeding in the pit lane, in the pit lane no, matter, no. no matter how minor the, the transgression is because it's a safety issue. So in a way, they're right to come down hard on them, but I, think, I do think there should be probably a you know, a, an area of, let's say, like two or three metres either side of the of the line where there's a bit of wiggle room. Yeah, it is very Maybe. strict. Even like but you it's say, difficult for a reason, to, it's very strict, but... It's difficult to police, um, though. Like, and, and as well, like, they'll just push the limit. I think if you're pushing the limit beyond that, then fair enough, you know, come down and I'm like a ton of breaks. Yeah. But like, if there's... Like, like I remember say, like, um, Nico Rosberg saying that the the loops where they check your pit speed are not necessarily where the white lines are painted. So he would always go out before a race and look for where the actual loops were. And sometimes it meant he could break like a meter or two later into the pit lane. Like that's that's how close these drivers are pushing it. So yeah, well that's smart, isn't it? I mean, that, yeah. they're probably all at that. They're probably all doing that. Um, yeah, it's marginal games, isn't it? That that can be you know the difference of a tenth or two tenths in a really really tight race in especially in formula one especially in that midfield one or two tenths yeah. in a pit stop can make a big difference to your race if you're not being held up then yeah you know like that's that's going to move you forward ultimately by the end of the race so it's all time that mm -hmm. that adds up isn't it um, yeah in Perez's yeah. case he got it wrong um it ended up costing him five seconds and a podium in the process um go. like i will say it wasn't a great weekend for perez this is probably, if you think about the sort of tracks where Perez does well, like traction zones onto big straights, big braking zones, slow speed corners, Zanvoort is pretty much the complete opposite of that. Like if you were to design a track to not suit Sergio Perez, it would probably be this. So I'm sure that played a part of it, but yeah, still not a great weekend for him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean... No one was expecting Sergio Perez to go to Zanvo and set the world on fire. Well, no. Really. That, that, that certainly wasn't a storyline that we looked into. I think he's, I think he's still, I think he's gotten a little bit lucky to end up where he, even though he missed out on the podium, he's got a little bit lucky to end up where he did, to be honest, with the with the mare he had in the race and some of the crashes. Yeah. If it wasn't, I think Red Bull or Helmut Marco may have even said, claimed that um, if the red flag had not occurred, then... Perez would have been out of the race because he, the the damage that he did to the car was extensive enough to sort of wreck his race. So yeah, shows and he's lucky he didn't go in like corner first because he would have been out on the spot. So yeah, um, I'll move us on. Um, Aston Martin sort of back at the sharp end, at least in Alonso's mm -hmm. hands. Anyway, um, yes. they had a big upgrade package, uh, bought a whole new floor with them, which at least at this track in these conditions seemed to work very well. Um, yeah, Alonso games off the podium for the seventh time this year. He's back to within twelve points of Hamilton in the championship now, so that fight is very much still on. Yeah, that's um, good. that's, that's going to be an interesting one, isn't it, to watch play out? Yeah. I think over the second half of the season, seeing how Alonso can sort of drag this car what over the remainder of the season. Probably not that much development coming to the Aston Martin for the remainder of the season. Now, I wouldn't have thought. Um, same goes for the Mercedes. I think it's going to be toe-to-toe -to -toe between those two. Could get really yeah. spicy and really interesting. 
I say within 12, he's actually 12 ahead of Hamilton. Um, that gap had gotten much closer, but he's pulled away a little bit. Um, yeah, great. I mean, that was just a classic Alonso drive, wasn't it? He was, at times, a quickest man on track. Like, yeah, just yeah. just a really, really good Alonso drive and some very good overtakes, which we will get to. <laughs> yeah, he did the business. He did the business. The, yeah. the one, um, I mean, early in the race around, uh, I think it was Russell, he got, um, that was a, mighty one just using different areas of the track everyone's it was almost like you know turn the difficulty up kind of over time wasn't it like you <laughs> yeah. know when you play formula one like and the ai's like turned right down and they're just queuing up into turn one yeah and you, and you go just... around them all like, it was like that it's almost it like really that was. through turn three um yeah um stroll meanwhile as far as i know he had the same upgrades but he was out in q2 he got out qualified by, by both ferraris mclarens and williams um he was right at the back for a while, ended up 11th in the race. Um, just simply not good enough, still. It's 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 a drum we've been banging all season, but he's just... He's been shown up by Alonso, really, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you put any other... Not any other driver on the grid, but you put most other drivers in that car yeah. on the grid, then they're going to be doing a bit more of it, I think. It's unfortunate. It is. I mean... What's the gap it's, now? It's only 14 points now between Ferrari and Aston Martin. Yeah. That gap it, should be a lot bigger. It's the team you feel for as well. It's the team that are losing out on the points. It's the team that's yeah. whose, whose championship is at risk. You know, they're, they're behind. I don't know what the result is now at the end of this race, but like last time I checked, they were behind Mercedes, Aston Martin were. because the 40 behind. They're still 40 behind even now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that... It just shows you how important it is to have two really good drivers in your team, especially when you're in the midfield. I think Red Bull, the car's so good and their one driver is so good and their focus is primarily on the World Championship anyway that they could pro- probably throw Lance Stroll in the other Red Bull and maybe get the <laughs> controversial opinion, maybe get similar results. because <laughs> Purely because the car is so far ahead of the rest of the field. Um so, yeah, I just, I just wish some, I wish they'd give someone else a chance in that car. I'm getting really bored of seeing someone, the nepotism me kind of vibe around. That yeah, team. I mean, if Rue is to believe, well. he's considering a career switch to play tennis. So maybe that'll be. <laughs> is that true? He's kind of like rubbish that, hasn't he? But then you. Would. I think it was just like a passing comment or a passing joke that like the internet just left on. It, it is. It is very funny, but yeah. I mean, there wasn't a lot of news last week, so you can understand the internet. Yeah, leaping on that. Um, also on the podium, Pierre Gasly. He's Pierre fourth, Gasly. Fourth career podium, despite picking up a five-second penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Um. He was another one of the drivers that just got the tyre call right at the start. He ended up third behind Perez and Joe on lap two or three. Um, and like, although kind of he got the order shuffled around after that, he just had really good pace the whole race. Like, it was a really, really good drive from Gasly. Um, he got 15 points for third, which is like almost a third of his whole season's points now, which kind of <laughs> tells you the uh, season that Alpine are having. Um, really good yeah, drive they- from Gasly, I thought, though. Yeah, they're having a, they're, the team are having a struggle, a well-documented struggle this season. On and off the track. On and off the track. But um, yeah, Gasly did the business. Um, I did think the the move Verstappen put on him into Turn 3 was a bit cheeky. I'm still yet to see a replay of that. I've only seen Verstappen's onboard that was on the broadcast. And from that, it did look 
Yeah, he didn't leave him space. Pretty bad. He didn't yeah. leave him space. There's no doubt in my mind that he didn't leave him space. He just pushed him wide. But then part of it is, well, well I'd like to see Gasly's on board because was was Gasly just going wide anyway? And at that point... Yeah, driving, was he already understeering? Yeah, from Verstappen's perspective then, if he's already wide, then you can't push someone wide who's already gone off the track. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, it was a bit of a weird one. The stewards didn't feel the need to look into it. So you have to take the stewards on their word that they've seen all the footage and yeah. they didn't didn't see it you know they didn't think there was anything in it so yeah it kind of puts that one to bed a little bit doesn't it but yeah great performance from Gasly um really really it's nice again for the team who are struggling so much it's nice to see them get a really good result and a podium um I yeah. don't think they were imagining they'd be no. able to see many of those a couple of weeks ago so yeah definitely really, really not. pleased for all the team at Alpine really really good news good it's, it's a good Good vibe story for this race. It really is. I'm finding Gasly such a frustrating driver to watch this last season or two. Like, he has days like this where he is exceptionally good. And then the other has days where he's just, like, anonymous. Yeah. Like, I wish I wish he had more of these days because, I don't know. I know he's in a tough, a tough car in a tough situation now, but, like... He, he's got yeah. them in him. It just shows you that he, he that, that driver, you know, that... that fast canny talented driver does exist inside Pierre Gasly yeah. somewhere he's just sometimes you have to tease it out of him get scared sometimes you have to just just just, <laughs> just, just come on come on out come on out you can win the race <laughs> it's kind of like that <laughs> um who is next on the list Ferrari. Ferrari oh dear I thought Carlos Sainz had a great race um yeah despite he, his he, team he reckoned the Ferrari was the sixth or seventh fastest car on the grid. That might be slightly exaggerating things, but the Ferrari was not a good car at that circuit. Um, but yeah, he did really well to finish uh, fifth, wasn't he, in the end? Mm-hmm. Um, very good drive from Zines. Leclerc, do you, I mean, where do you start with Leclerc? Like, gets into Q3 and then crashes. Yeah, comes into the pits for his first stop, and they just haven't got tires for no him. No tires. What? What was that? And this what is the thing. That? Like, Perez came in super late and kind of surprised the team, but they still just about had the tires there for him. Leclerc did the same thing, and just like, like I know it's a tight pit lane. You can't be there. There's not space to be there with the tires just in case. But at the same time, you've got to be. Surely when you see that first lap and the rain's coming down, you have all of the pit crew there with their hands on the tyres ready to move at a moment's notice. And they just didn't. Like, yeah, they just they were just sat around, it felt like. Well, it's, it felt, felt like they were looking for the tyres maybe or something like that. Yeah. Everyone, the rest of the pit crew were out there ready to receive the car, but then just no tyres. Bizarre. How does that Absolutely even happen? bizarre. Just the, yeah, really, really. Maybe the, uh, the only the only explanation I can come up with for that is maybe they were they were expecting the other car coming in, and we wouldn't have seen on the broadcast them already having the wrong tires out and having to run back in and get another set and bring them back because that's happened to that happened to Mercedes at Germany. Can you remember the German Grand Prix? Where it was yeah, absolutely hectic. Similar conditions, like crazy, crazy rain, really, really bad weather. Um, yeah, Mercedes had the wrong tires out, had to run back in with those tires swap them out for the other set and then throw those on. But like... Cost them loads and loads of the time. So that's the only comparison I can come up with, but we didn't see it, so it's impossible to tell. Every every other driver that came at the end of lap one was not giving their team much notice at all and everyone else managed it. Yeah, <laughs> so, also true. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, Leclerc also had a clash with uh, Piastri, picked up floor damage, and eventually just threw the towel in for understandable reasons. Um, Mercedes, you just mentioned. I feel like Hamilton kind of saved their blushes a little bit that race. They were a bit pretty messy Mercedes this race. I mean, Russell yeah. basically said that he he doesn't understand why, but they just got all the weather calls wrong. Like, whereas other teams seem to think that the rain was going to last however many laps, Mercedes were adamant that it was just going to be like a lap or two and then back to dry, and they were just wrong. Um, yeah. Russell basically went from third on the grid to last. Yeah. Um, really, really poor effort from Mercedes there. I think it was pretty obvious straight away that you needed to be straight in for for at least intermediates. Yeah, I, there's you know the the one rule in Formula One is be on the in motor racing is be on yeah. the right tire at the right time for the conditions. You know, always be on the correct tire no matter what. And they 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 were playing games. They played chance with it. Yeah. And, they they lost and there's just they don't need to do that mercedes if they didn't play chance with it they've got a car right up there in the mix if they get russell in straight away they've got a much much better result and a much much run to the end you know they're in, they would have been in the mix i think it um, feels a bit like hamilton had throughout the race yeah it was really quick at times so yeah it almost feels a bit like the criticism we've leveled at Mercedes in the past where it was like, oh, stretch your computer says this, so that's what we yeah. do. And not believing what you're looking at and what your drivers are saying to you. Yeah, Turkey. Uh, Turkey was a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. I think 2020, maybe, was that 2021 or 20... 21, I think, 2020, yeah. maybe? I'm not sure which. Actually, but, no, 2020, it was. But yeah, yeah. It was the one Lando nearly won, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it, 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 did, it really did have echoes of that to to the whole situation just not not playing to the field yeah in a way and yeah it was it was it was an absolute mess they were very very lucky to come out with the results they got i thought i feel like they there were times during that race where it looked like they were all at sea and and all completely hamilton had a monster drive to climb back up to sixth like he he reckoned he had podium pace but obviously the team just didn't put him in a position to be able to use that I think they're pretty both messy did. for the, yeah. Russell's, it Russell was, on the hard Russell tires was, just... was quick at time. Russell, Russell, the way Russell drove those hard tires and the way he battled with drivers on much, much slower, much fresher, softer compound tires later yeah. on in the race, he could have had a way, way, way better result if they just pitted him on the on the well at the start of the second lap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Russell also had that massive moment that he just about saved, which was ridiculous. How. On I Earth, don't know how he did, did he that. save that. That was a crazy, crazy because he was like tank slapper all the way across the track as well. He yeah, somehow on the bank corner as well. Yeah, I Ridiculous. think that's what saved him—the bank corner. I think normal yeah. physics, <laughs> unbanked <laughs> corner, you are not saving that. But yeah, that was a very, very strange, crazy. He was obviously pushing really, really, really hard at that point. I think it was two yeah. wheels off onto the dirt, wasn't it? And it just it just, just tried, tried to catapult to, him. Yeah. Yeah, very very lucky and ha- hairy on board from behind as well because we, the camera was luckily on yeah. board like right in the moment it happened and the commentary team just absolutely lost their like, mind how has he saved that it, was, it made me jump I was like <laughs> but yeah um, very you know great job saving it and yeah, yeah he, he then sort of caved and let Hamilton through a few corners later didn't he he thought I'm not I don't think I'm going to fight this <laughs> yeah that. for the best 
Um, he then had a bit of a coming together with Norris towards the end of Pixar Puncher, which left him last on the road. Um, it, that that just looked racing instantly to me. I think I think they went side by side, and Russell just seemed to kind of understeer a bit. But no one really I made had, a big deal out of that incident. So I had no idea that had even happened until just now. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not sure it was even replayed on the broadcast. Like. I mean, we'll get to some of the TV direction stuff later on, but oh. yeah, there were some choices made, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, McLaren kind of botched their tyre calls as well, I thought. Um, yeah. They managed to send second and eighth on the grid to seventh and ninth in the end. Um, Norris did lead for about seven seconds <laughs> before Russell just drove past him, um, despite still being on the soft tyres. Yeah, um, they were both on the they were both on dry tyre on, on slick tyres in the world. Yeah. At that point. Russell just, um, um, I think that was a pretty good overtake, to be honest. He found, he found yeah, it was a, actually. a section of track with a little bit more grip on it, and went down the inside and managed to get the job done. I think it was a thing, but it wasn't far, wasn't long before Perez was creeping up behind both of them and just yeah. wrecking shop on intermediate tyres at that point. Yeah, bit of a waste opportunity for McLaren that. Um, mm. Lost so, some decent points to Alpine. Yeah, I saw some interesting analysis uh, on the um i say interesting incorrect analysis <laughs> on the the live feed where they were questioning why he why they didn't pit them for um because they'd gone from the start uh on the soft tires and then they both pitted and put another set of soft tires on expecting mm-hmm. n- well knowing that if it rained again they'd go over to intermediates yeah. And they've got another set of... They're probably going to have to pit again for a set of mediums. Um, and the they didn't seem the commentators didn't seem to realise that you have to use two sets, two different compounds of tyre at that point. So but they were not if you've run a wet tyre. But they hadn't run a wet tyre. Yeah, because there was that weird situation, wasn't there, where the two compound rule was only applying to like three drivers on the grid because they hadn't actually ever put the intermediates on which was a weird yeah a weird yeah. state like that rule didn't apply to everyone at that point in time yeah so they so they had to that i think it was questioning why they would put them eventually put them onto mediums and at that point in the race the softs had gone so you had to go over to mediums yeah. in order to use two compounds of tire and they were like oh, do they not see the weather did they not know this was gonna happen like, no of course they didn't know it was going to happen they're playing to the rule book they they know they've got to use different two yeah. compounds of tire they know if it doesn't rain and they go to the end on the tires they're going to get a massive penalty for not using room exactly yeah so disqualified i think yeah i think you do get disqualified yeah you? so yeah they, they they did what they had to do in the situation to obey the rules they had you know that crystal ball you don't you have to assume that it's not going to rain so yeah um, we'll move on to Williams. And I think the greatest compliment we can pay Williams is to say that an eighth place is probably a pretty disappointing result for them this weekend. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt I, Which, they, I was expecting like four, fifth sort of. Like when you think Alden. where they started the season, for only one car in the points, it only be eighth, be disappointing. It's like ridiculous. Um, yeah. They had a great weekend in every other respect. Um it's the first time they've had both cars in Q3 since Monza 2017. Um, Albon tied his best ever qualifying position of fourth. Obviously, the last time we did that was in a Red Bull. Um, here's a wild stat for you. Logan Sargent's the first American driver to qualify in the top 10 since Michael Andretti in 1993. 
that shows the absolute just the dearth of uh, yeah of American, American drivers. drivers in um, but yeah, like in, in in a lot of ways, Williams kind of made the same tire mistakes as Mercedes and McLaren, but Albon just kind of they were like, well, we've stuck to the, we've stuck to the softs now. We've knocked them in for inters. We'll just see it through. And Albon did an Albon and took those soft tires for forty four laps. Yeah. Um, and he was just quick. Like whatever the conditions throughout them, he was just quick the whole race. Like when the rain stopped, there was a time when he was the fastest man on track. Um, yeah, just another really good drive from Albon. He's driving so well. Yeah, he is driving great this season. It's it's nice to see Williams sort of. I think having you know having. Albon has kind of changed things a little bit, Williams, in terms of driver lineup. I think he's he's the driver that is making a difference. Yeah. Um, Sergeant, he's, you know, he's quietly having an okay season, I think. I felt sorry for Sergeant actually this weekend. Like, I think he was probably having his best weekend of the year. Um, and, I mean, it's hard to tell where he would have ended up because the strategies were so wild, but... I, I, the fact that Albon only finished eighth, I doubt Sargent will have got points, but I don't think he'd have been far behind had things shaken out. But um, he had a hydraulic pressure failure, um, and that's and that what caused him, him to crash wall, out. Yeah, 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 really unfortunate for him because he yeah. was having a pretty good weekend, all things yeah. considered. Understandable, he said he spent the entire race under the cover in a sat in a little hut, watching it, sat in a little hut, watching it play out, <laughs> looking miserable as well. Yeah, but you would. Um, but yeah, Hats. like, yeah, ha- I mean, what can we say about Hat? Like, normally with Hats, we say they qualified well and went backwards. This time, they didn't even qualify well and just kind of <laughs> saved everyone the bother. Like, I don't, I'm they sure there's Hats fans out there that listen, but I'd, I'd love to have more to say about the team. I really would, but it's the same story every week. Yeah, they, they've, I guess, like they've they've signed their drivers for next season. They've got the two same drivers mm-hmm. next. New, you know, the driver lineup is going to be the same next year. Yeah, so that's, a sensible choice. Yeah, that's the smart. That's the best thing probably that happened to us over the last week or two. That is uh, very true. Tauri. Alfa Romeo first. Oh, sorry, Alfa Romeo. So Alfa Romeo, interestingly, um, decided to split their strategies when the rain came. Um, so Joe came in straight. He was one of the lap one pitters. Um, paid off for him. He ran second for a while. Mm. Bottas they decided to leave out. Didn't pay off for him, but I thought interesting it for a team in Alfa Romeo's kind of position to just commit to splitting the strategy like that. Probably a smart choice. Very smart um, choice. But the worst thing that happened to them was it stopped raining because as soon as it was dry, they just didn't have any pace. Um, it was at the period when it was raining and Joe was running in the top three, I thought he was doing a really solid job. He was like picking his fights well, he was keeping it on the island like pretty solid. But then when the second round came out, Joe was kind of the biggest culture that had a pretty pretty heavy crash into turn one. It was uh, quite a nasty one, um, which kind of, well, I'll say that caused a red flag. I think it was more just so yeah. many cars went off. It reminded me of um, what the Nürburgring in, I want to say it was 2007, when there was just a freak rainstorm and just car after car was just sliding off at turn one. Uh, in 2017, maybe. Sorry. Mm. No, it was, was definitely it way earlier. Oh than no, that. no, there was there was the one at the. Um, I mean, there's the one at the. It was. Oh, you're thinking of Hockenheim. I'm thinking of Hockenheim, where they were all going off onto the slippery. Yeah, similar uh, thing actually. 
slippery, what is it, the slippery drag strip, and it just yeah. absolutely ice rink for them. Crazy, crazy. That was weird, that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, five races in a row now, no points for Alfa Romeo. Like, it kind of already feels like they've written off this season. Uh, we'll worry about next year, I think, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they're already tell- they're telling their drivers not to be complacent, complacent, complacent as well, because... Oh, really? Yeah, because I think, like... They seem to be. Everyone seems to be waiting for the Audi takeover to happen. And Joe is still driving for his seat because he hasn't got a contract for next year yet. So, yeah, it's an interest. And, and obviously, they're losing um, Alfa Romeo as a title sponsor next year. But it's before Audi come in, so they're going to kind of be in a weird no man's land next yeah. year. Yeah, I'm excited for Sauber F1 team to be Sauber F1 team again. Yeah, I do wonder Words if like. Say. There have been rumblings of like another title sponsor just coming in for a year or two, but I'd quite like to see it just be Sauber again, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm normally like pretty ain't care about that kind of thing, especially <laughs> like I don't have much sort of love for min- heritage minnow teams. <laughs> I find, you know, I'm like, great. Yeah, you're there. You've been there a long time, but <laughs> you, you've never done anything. <laughs> so... <laughs> I've got a soft spot for sale, but I've always quite liked I know them. you do, I know you Bit do. of a plucky underdog kind of thing. Yeah. Well, the fact Bottas is there helps you a lot, I think, as well. That helps, yeah. Um, right, last on the list, Alpha Tauri. Um, Bizarre weekend for Alpha Tauri. Ricardo had what I can only describe as very Ricardo look, and <laughs> in an effort to avoid making Piastri's crash worse, hit the wall and managed to break his hand in the process, which is just miserable look after he's only really? just come back. Um, yeah. Rotten look. He's already had surgery on it. I think from the same surgeon that um, Lance Stroll went to um, when he had that crash pre-season and came back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that got... We've, we've got another. Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stroll gets on like a referral fee. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Not um, that he needs it. Yeah, but he's expected to be out until Singapore at the absolute earliest. So um, Liam Lawson's definitely going to be in the car next weekend as well at Monza. Um, and then they'll see after that. But yeah, with next to no notice, Liam Lawson was suddenly making his F1 debut. And I can't think of many worse combinations of like circuit, weather, preparation time for a Grand Prix debut than than poor Liam had. Um what did he have? Like an hour and eighteen minutes. Well, that's, yeah, that's that said. When after Ricardo crashed and it looked bad, he went along to the driver briefing as a precaution, and then like halfway through the driver briefing, he had a phone call from from Helmet, I think, to be like, "Yeah, you're in the car, mate." So Pay attention. Like, yeah, best up every attention. Um, but man, he was good. Like he had he had that one spin in FP three. Um, to be expected. To be expected. Qualifying, he was over a second off the back of the field. Again, to be expected. To be expected. But he had an hour's running before qualifying. Yeah. To be to be fair, to be to be within what would to be within three seconds of the field. Yeah. The last person on the field is a pretty good performance, especially in that car as well. Let's not forget that that is not an easy car to drive. It's, it's yeah. you know, Nick De Vries couldn't handle that car. He hated driving it clearly, and it. it Spearing him into walls, so and I don't believe yeah. for a second that Nick DeFries is that bad of a driver no. that he can't drive a Formula One car. So there's there's definitely something about that car that's not very uh, helpful for the drivers no. to, to handle. So yeah, but man, an like amazing job, a challenging race like that. 
yeah, kept it on the track. Yeah, he made some overtakes. He even overtook Charles Leclerc at one point in his hovel Ferrari. Um, and he must have been smiling ear to ear. Oh yeah, he was loving that. that. And, um, yeah, 13th. I thought it was really impressive though. Very impressive drive from him. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does at Monza um, with you know some actual preparation time. Um, yeah. I don't suspect that car is going to be great at Monza but well then, saying that I mean that team has won a race there in the past that yep. team's won two races there in fact haven't they yeah, it was a home race for them yeah um, so yeah excited we can do really glad to see him get his debut because I think he's he was at risk of being one of those drivers that does well in the junior series and then just kind of falls off the planet a little bit but yeah good to see him out there it's definitely going to give Red Bull some interesting headaches over their driver lineup for the next few years um yeah for sure and i think um well this let's not forget the daniel ricardo being out adding to that headache as well i think for everyone daniel ricardo especially that he was hoping to get as much seat time as he possibly can this season yeah i would not be surprised if he is back i mean it'd be very very difficult race for him if he's back in singapore but he will be be pushing oh man imagine but he will be pushing as hard as he can yeah. to be back in that car by Singapore. Um, I don't think he will be. I think it'll be impossible to drive a Formula One car around that circuit with a broken hand or yeah. with a recently broken, now recovering hand that's got apparently got screws in it as well. Yeah. So I think, I think it's he's going to be after for... Singapore. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think so I think as well. Maybe Japan. I think possibly back for Japan. Yeah. I, even that's not an easy one because you've got the two Degners. They'll be really, really hard on your body. Um, yeah, and you've got uh, Spoon. Spoon's not an easy one with a broken hand. Uh, i trying to think. It is left hand, isn't are. it? So the hairpin shouldn't be too bad because you're generally using your top hand more for the hairpin. So yeah. that shouldn't hurt him too bad. And but the fact that it's... Anti-clockwise gripping on through one foot yeah. is not going to be. I say anti-clockwise circuit. It's a figure of eight, so that doesn't really work. Yeah, that's but true. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Hope, obviously, hope seeing back soon. But it is very exciting to see Liam Lawson in the car. Um, Absolutely. Should we do some awards? Yeah. Man, drive of the day. Tough one. Hmm. There's a lot. A lot of drivers that you could put up for this, I think. I am going to go straight in with Lawson. I think the <laughs> fact that he's had an hour and 18 minutes of running in that Formula One car and he's brought it home in 13th in those conditions, who else are you going to give it to? Like, it's, it's, I just don't believe it's... Part. And he started at the back of the grid, remember? I do like that. Um, I think... Alonso, you can make a case for... But it, it was kind of just doing what Alonso does. Um, Gasly and Sainz both had really good races. Hamilton had a very good race to finish where he did. Yeah. Albon as well. Like, yeah, there's so many. But I do quite like the novelty of Lawson. I think I can maybe go along with you on that. I, well, um, the thing is, we don't know when he's going to be back after next race. We don't know when he's going to be back to. That's true. To to give him it. So I think, and I think it's worthy of it. I think it's absolutely yeah. worthy of it to come in at such short notice, have one practice session, then 18 minutes of quality out in Q1, would be around two seconds off the pace and then get through the race 
without bidding it in those circumstances with such yeah. little practice in such awful conditions, it has to be Liam Lawson for me. Like everyone I mean, else is an honourable mention for me. Yeah. It's got to be Liam Lawson. As as Sarah said in the chat, until he um, made that uh, sort of second pit, well, no, before the race start, he'd never even driven that car on slicks. Like he'd only been in practice <laughs> and qualifying. That must and have then, been so nice, putting a set of slick tyres on it after he'd been driving around in Inters the whole time. Must have yeah. been such a nice feeling. Yeah, and go with that. Um, move of the day. It's quite a few knocking around. I did see some... There was a discussion in the Discord earlier over whether you can nominate Russell's save as move of the day because he was saving his own mistake, which is a weird sort of seesaw there. Um, mm, it's possible, but I don't think it is. I think, uh, but, but, but the one that I do like is a Russell one. It's George Russell on Lando Norris standing to turn one in a, on a soaking wet track on slicks. Yeah, because there are there are a few outside of turn one moves. Albon doing Russell later in the race was a good one, but yeah, I think yeah. Russell's move up the inside of Norris was very good. Yeah, the the thing I like about the the Russell Norris one is they were on the same compound of tire, the same age. Yeah. It was really early in the race. Similar the pace Al- cars as well. Yeah, the Albon on Russell one. Russell is on ancient hard tires. Actually, yeah, that's true. And Albon is on brand new soft tires, I believe. So there's not much comparison there in terms of tire tire wear. You know that the Williams was always going to be the quicker car through that corner <laughs> under those circumstances. Um, who else we got? There, there were Alonso, Alonso down the inside of Russell into turn three was a good one. Russell and Albon in one corner on the opening lap. He did both of them. Did he do both of them in one lap? Yeah. Um, Bottas's start. Bottas had an almighty start. Yes, he did. Um, that was really, really good to see. He overtook half the field, it looked like. He <laughs> yeah. absolutely nailed the start and just kept it together. And then obviously everyone dived into the pits. He stayed out and... Uh, Lost out. That was the end of his race. <laughs> the result. But still, like, a mighty drive up until yeah. lap two. I find it hard to look past that Alonso, like, dive up the inside of turn three. It's like, such a good corner. It's such a cleverly designed corner. Yeah, like multiple lines through it. All yeah, it's fantastic. The exit. Very, very good corner. I like it, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, Alonso? I, can go, I can go for Alonso. I'll, 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 I'll allow Alonso <laughs> to, to happen. Right, which brings us on to... Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? This is without a doubt the longest list of nominations for this we've ever had. Easy peasy. And I don't even think I've got them all. Yeah, go on. So go, go, Let's go through them. The in-race ones we've kind of already talked about. Ferrari just not having tyres ready for a pit stop. Um, Checo That's crashing in the pit entry. Tame, tame. Um, we could talk about McLaren Mercedes strategy, but again, tame, pretty dull. Now we get into the 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 ridiculous stuff. So F one decided to share a stat on Alonso because he's now the driver that's had the biggest gap between their first ever podium and their most recent podium, and they just counted the number of days wrong. Like there's literally websites where you can put in two dates and it tells you the number of days. And they were like, oh, yeah, it's been 7,399 days between his first and last podium. And it's not. It's 7,462. Who knows how they got that so wrong? Okay. Um, Tame, interesting and boring at the same time, but that's fine. All of the above. That's fine. Okay. Um, Another kind of tame and boring but also just stupid one is 
when the FIA published the document to say Liam Lawson was going to be on the grid, they obviously copy-pasted from an old document and didn't change all the names. So it said that he was going to be using Alex Albon's engine and gearbox. <laughs> Just like, oh, car guys. Give me strength. Pinnacle um, of motorsport. All right, some uh, some spicier ones. Um, Gasly being on the podium and all the graphics saying Ocon, like... Come I didn't on, see that. Did you not oh, see that? No. Yeah, All the I, LEDs I, I, underneath been, the podium just said Ock on. Races like this, they've been on for so long that by the time, you know, you've had 45 minutes of red flag, you've had safety cars and whatnot. I'm just, I'm out, you know? Yeah. I don't work there anymore, man. Like I've, once I've seen <laughs> the action, I'm like, right, that's it. I'm done. I'm, I need to enjoy the rest of my weekend now. So um, I thought it was very strange that we watched in qualifying lots of drivers being impeded by other drivers. And then they were just like, yeah, no impeding there. No penalties given. Like really? Yeah. That was, that was dumb. Um, then I think the most egregious ones from the TV point of view, spending, these are, these are the ones that I'm interested in spending, like probably the best part of two laps showing replays of the start while there was still just a, like the most Action. exciting opening stint to a race I've seen in years, yeah. and like we'll just cut some full screen replays. Like, just well, was... that's why you need F one TV. The reason they do it is because I've, I'm convinced the reason they're doing this is because they want you to go and buy F one TV, where you get like a picture in picture, so you can still watch the race unfolding. So if you're watching on Sky, you don't get that. You just get what the world feed gives you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you get like the second window with the actual live race going on in a small, annoyingly in a smaller window. I would rather the replays be yeah the other way the around, smaller window and the action being on the the big win in the big window. But still, like it is really, really obnoxious of them. Uh, lap, I've I've had this complaint for years and years and years since as long as I can remember. They doggedly continue to just show endless boring dull replays of the start that we've already seen literally minutes ago yeah over the top of live action going on you know th there are things happening on track that I, that i would rather see than watch the replay from 10 20 different i mean however many different angles it was a joke this time there was it was on for so so long i'm yeah. so glad i've got f1 tv and i'm able to watch it on the you know, I'm able to continue watching the race because if I'd been watching that on Sky, I'd have been absolutely fuming. It's, it's, it's unnecessary. I would love to have been watching F1 TV, but um, there has been a certain crackdown in the way that some people, particularly those in the UK, are able to use F1 TV. And as a result, mm. I had to watch it on Sky this weekend. That um, sucks. That does suck. Um, and at the end as well, they, as they always do, they cut to Max crossing the line to win the race and cut away from a couple of really close battles on the last lap. Like Hamilton and Norris were less than a tenth apart yeah, of the line yeah. and we just didn't see it because they have to have their shot on soundbite of Max winning the race. Again, very frustrating. Um, yeah. And then finally, the one that I think it should be, is Mercedes literally having to push a cameraman out of the way because George Russell was trying to drive in to have a pit stop. Yeah. Like, come what, on. What was that? I, that one, what I mean, that one takes the cake. I think that one's the best one because, like, not only is it ridiculous, like, mental that someone stood in the way of a car trying to pit regardless of what team it is, but the safety implications there are just absolutely out of this world. 
the imp- literally being impeded by fun. <laughs> That's what the team, yeah. the, whatever team you're a fan of, whatever team it's happening to, how upset would you be if you've got a cameraman stood in the way of your pit box stopping you getting into the pits? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely mental. And it was so obvious that it happened. They're really strict about who is allowed in the pit lane during live sessions. And if you are one of those people, you have to be so switched on to what is going on. I'm not going to come down on a particular cameraman here i'm not you know i'm not going to point the finger well at any, i mean individual uh, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time but but he also should have probably should have, his, yeah they've all got someone in their ear it, they work as a team and that person should have had mm-hmm. all the information they needed to not be in the way Absolutely. it's not it's not down to one person it's down no. to the team to manage that situation properly and it was it was a situation very very dangerously and very very badly ha- handled and you hate to see it. It's what you know. We, we do occasionally get weird stuff like this coming up on um, in four one races. We've had we had one. I remember in was it Monaco one year there was a there was a top down shot of like a marshal running across the track when uh, cars were cars were going through. He ran like basically weaved between yeah. two cars. It was absolutely insane. Um, stuff like that is just. Because there was a, there's no excuse for it. There's absolutely no excuse for it. No, because there's a number of years ago, Mark Webber left his pit box and one of his wheels wasn't wasn't on properly and came off and bounced down the pit lane and he actually hit a cameraman. Yeah. That that was like one of the moments where they were like, there's way too many people in this pit lane. We need to be very strict about who gets to go in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for good reason, because there are examples of these things happening. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. As, as well, like in in changeable conditions, in bad weather, it's it's even more important because imagine th- um, this is the worst case scenario, right? Imagine in those conditions, Russell's coming in on slick tires. There's a cameraman stood in the way, comes in a bit too hot, and locks up the wheels. Yeah. And then there's a dro- there's a suddenly there's a cameraman wedged between two cars. Nothing he could That's do. Just that's a catastrophe. That yeah. would have been an absolute disaster for Formula One, and worse, the cameras were on it at the time as well. It was it was that cameraman's camera that we were looking for. Yeah, because like Just, in a way, it was kind of funny to be watching it unfold from the cameraman's point of view, and you could like <laughs> feel from the camera him being just dragged out of the yeah, way. Yeah, but like, could, yeah, could have yeah, been like, so bad. It could have been a. Uh, it could have been really, 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 really yeah. bad. Like it would have and been and on live TV, awful live TV. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. it doesn't bear thinking about. And not yeah, good. They need to. They need to sort that out because that that pit lane on. scares me. Honestly, like it's just too tight for what it is. And there's well, I mean, a lot of the pit lanes are really, really tight. That's the thing. Yeah, just, this one's tighter than Monaco, though. It's like it's ridiculous. But, yeah, it is tight, it, but it's but it's an awesome circuit, and there's nothing it to is. stop them. There's nothing to stop them implementing extra safety measures to mitigate against the tightness of the circuit. You know, there's no reason. It's a great circuit, and you know, he's given us, I think, a hundred and seventy odd overtakes this this weekend in these conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure quite how they how the, that statistic is counted, but apparently it's, a it's like a a seven hundred percent increase in what in the number of overtakes that they got last year. I don't know if you've got that stat anywhere, Chris. If you've, I don't actually. But I um, did yeah. see that this broke the record for the most pit stops in a race. Oh, really? Which at this pit lane is saying something. Well, I am well, being told from Discord that there's plans to rebuild the pit complex and add some more garages. So that'll be smart. nice if they can just like set them back a little bit, maybe, and give, the, give yeah, them a bit more. Room maybe and... even 
I say, could they maybe put the pit entry before the final corner? But I think there's already a building on the inside of that corner. So I don't not. think they need to do that. Even I think I think it's fine. I think the just need to open it up a bit. I think it's cool. You just need to open it up a bit. But even then, like you know, if they've managed to have all these pit stops in these conditions, well, yeah, nothing go wrong despite some near misses. Then you know it it could have could have been a whole lot worse in that pit lane. So I don't think it's quite as drastic as what maybe maybe some people might think. No, that's fair. Right, should we move on to some predictions? Yes, we need to hurry up. Um, I'll quickly run through. Um, obviously, the three of us all got the double Verstappen. You, Stu, picked up a third point for a number of finishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more interested than that, we got two winners this week. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dagan Descham, apologies if I've butchered your name there, and Mike Baker both got the four five out of five. Um, in fact... All but one person scored at least one point uh, this week. The only account that didn't score a point was an account called Amazon Web Services that we've talked about before, yeah. um, who predicted uh, Logan Sargent to win from pole and for him to be the only finisher, which unfortunately didn't pay off for Amazon Web Services. Unlucky. Um, in the overall leaderboard, uh, James Hunt and Effortless Lee are tied for first on 30 points each, but there are 17 people still within three points of the lead, so it's super-duper close there. Wow. Shall we preview Monza? Yeah, straight into the next race. Very briefly. Let's, so, going to be as quick as we can here because we're running out of time. Um, storylines, I think the biggest storyline coming into this one is probably... It's the same storyline that we're going to be running with for the rest of the season until it gets <laughs> broken. Um, can Red Bull keep up the streak? That's the that's what we're all sort of clinging on to for the news. Um, yeah. I think another storyline, another interesting storyline is Liam Lawson. How is he going to do in his second race with some proper running time and maybe hopefully some decent conditions? Yeah. Um, and then again, like the, the third one for this week, I'll just leave it down to three. The midfield pack, like, how is that going to shake out in the next race? You know, we've had yet another mix-up this one, this time round, this last race gone because Aston Martin appear to be back in it with. with yeah, I'm interested to see what their new upgrades are like at a very different circuit and hopefully more normal conditions. Um, yeah. I've actually not seen a weather forecast for this weekend, but. Uh, yeah. And Williams as well. Williams should do really, really well. Yeah. They've got, a, they've got a quick car and a straight line, Williams. So, um, yeah, we'll see how they get on. And that's the storylines for this week. Let's do some predictions. Chris, who is going to give us the fastest in <sighs> Q3? I think you have, to, Verstappen. you have to say Verstappen. I assume you're saying the same. Yeah, it's course it's Verstappen. Um, Verstappen this this is an unusual circuit that could throw up a odd result but the sensible choice is to go Verstappen and I assume you're saying him for the win as well yes I am I'd be mad not to follow your lead on that one um, right first DNF first DNF is going to be the last one was Sergeant, I think wasn't it it was um, I'm going to be cruel and say Lawson Ooh, that's so cruel but he's, he's the newest driver. He's going to have the least prep time. He's the least experienced. It just makes sense. It's nothing against him. It's just it's just. Logic. Yes, I'm going to go for the old hero to zero logic and say Gasly. Nice, Number of finishers, nice. I'll go first. I'm going to go high. I'll say 18, I think. Um, I will take... 18's good, but I'm going to take 17. And then a random driver this week, um, which I... 
now regret picking Gasly for first DNF because our random driver is also Pierre Gasly. You can change that if you want. Nah, I just want to stop sticking with we it. Did already know, we did already know the random driver this week before we recorded. So We did, and then I forgot that. who it was and went ahead and picked Gasly for first DNF. So yeah. no, I'm, just, I'm sticking to well, my guns. So you're going to put your money where your mouth is? Do you know what? I'm going to hedge my bets. I'm no. going to say Gasly is going to finish ninth. Oh, ninth. Okay. Uh, he's in the Alpine. Alpine straight line speeds. We're going to find out if the Alpine's got the power deficit that that they claim. The Renault, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Claim, claim that it does have. So, if it does have that, then I think they're in for a struggle. I'm going to go. I'm going to pop him down to fourteenth. I think I might have gone a bit higher there in retrospect but do you know what here we are we've done it um as ever if you want to take part back of the rid.com you can sign up for free uh as we said earlier there's a prize for anyone gets five out of five so always worth taking part should we finish up with a little bit of inbox yeah we've got very very short inbox time so let's get into it I'll take the first one. This one's from Coryzilla Zombie Killer. He says, I may have been playing too much F1 manager lately, but when McLaren didn't pit Norris at the beginning of the race, I wanted to yell at my computer screen because from the broadcast, it looked like the switchover. But many teams didn't want to pull their cars in right away for inters. Why was that? Was it because of the narrow pit lane or because the rain was expected to pass quickly? Kind of both, wasn't it? Some teams did think the rain was going to pass. Um, I mean, the, the double stack is very difficult in that pit lane. In fact, was it? It might have been. I think it was Liam Lawson actually got a penalty for impeding Kevin Magnussen in the pit lane. But the reason was they double stacked, and there just literally wasn't room for Magnussen to drive out of his pit box because um, AlphaTauri were double stacking ahead of them. So. I do think that was part of it. Um, yeah, so teams probably didn't want to get penalties for impeding by double stacking. Um, and then, yeah, I guess like, you know, the, the track does, it, the track is capable of drying out quite quick, especially when you've got everyone running around on inters. So you can understand, I guess, some of them taking the gamble. I think Mercedes not ta- Mercedes taking the gamble of staying out was ridiculous. They shouldn't have done yeah. that. They should have had Russell in straight away. Hamilton being further down, they could maybe have gambled him for a bit longer and actually he had the race pace and he did a really good job recovering. So maybe they were more or less optimized, I don't know, but from that position, but cuz he was like down in 13th or something, but, but yeah. I don't know what I don't know what position he was by the time they got back around the track to enter the pits after lap 1, but yeah, it wasn't, you know, I was more focused on Russell's race and Russell should have really should have been brought in straight away. So yeah. 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 It was, it was a strange one. I think maybe they were expecting it to dry out a bit quicker than it did. Um, next yeah. one. Next one from Jamscones. Hey man, people keep talking about drivers who are good in the rain. Who's not good in the rain? <laughs> uh, who isn't good in the rain? Sergio Perez looks like. Yeah, well, or maybe not good in this car in the rain because he has. I feel like he's had good wet races yeah. in like the Force India back in the day. Um, I think he's. I think Perez is maybe good in changeable conditions, but not so good in fully wet conditions. 
Um, same with Bottas, actually. Bottas is not great in the wet. Like, although we had a good opening lap of this race, when it, it was wasn't kind of fully wet. <laughs> at that yeah, point. But, but I think once the rain properly comes down, like I remember, I think it was in China a number of years ago when Bottas and Mercedes, and he was just like spinning over and over again. Um, Trinko else on the current grid is not not great. I think, you know, there's not many of them who haven't shown flashes of greatness in the rain. No. Look, it's such a lottery. I think it is very difficult to be, you know, a rain master. I think there's the the, the best, best drivers really, really do stand out as as being really, really good drivers in the wet. Um, And the the ones that are maybe not not as good as the, you know, your non-legend drivers tend to not perform very legendarily in the rain. And I think just as a rule, it just like, it spreads the field, it spreads the skill level further apart. So I don't necessarily believe that one person is the best in the rain, but they're, but then they, they're, they're not the best in the dry. I think it's a sliding scale. That, it's a spectrum yeah. that just gets wider in wet weather. I think that's what it is. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. That's mm. definitely fair. And I would, if you've got nothing else to add, Chris, I will... Nope, that is all the inbox for now. That's it for this week. So um, thank you for joining us. If you've you've got this far, please hit the subscribe button um, and please subscribe to the podcast, the audio version of the podcast, if that's what you listen to. Um, If you really, really like us, join our Patreon where you can become a member of our Discord channel and you can tune in for live shows and things like that or interact with our lovely, lovely Discord fans. you can find us on all the socials. We are on the internet in general. We've got a website. <laughs> Go to the website if you want to join the Predictions League. And that is it for this week. So we will catch you next week for a full quota, all three of us, to review the Italian Grand Prix. We'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye.